Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello, to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 42, The Candy Myth 2. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blankets, and keep the lights on. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find the links to all my social media accounts in the show notes. Come, discuss all things spooky with me. Also, if you'd like to write in and have your email read on the show, email slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests, stories you've written, or your own real-life paranormal encounters. Before we get to tonight's first story, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes and help spread the word to your friends, family, the little person dropping tainted candy into your bucket, whomever. Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Now, let's get spooky. Have you ever stared in the dark? Just stood outside at night and gazed into the darkness? Did you ever find something, staring back, moving closer, maybe even getting bigger as it does? Is it merely your mind playing tricks on you? Is it a monster in the dark? One nine-year-old stared in the darkness and learned the answer, and that answer followed him into adulthood. Was there really a monster, or was it all in his mind? Sit back, relax, and decide for yourself as you listen to Am I Crazy? I suppose I should start by telling you a little about myself. I am 19 years old. I live in Pennsylvania. And I guess I've always been a creative person. When I was little, my parents would remark about what a vivid imagination I had. For the most part, I was a normal child. I liked drawing and writing. I hated math. I had trouble making friends. So I played with my imaginary friends. We would play games out in the woods. I always liked playing with these friends because I know I could trust them, control them. I knew they would never hurt me, not like the other beings I thought of in my head, or at least, I think they were just in my head. I used to have a lot of trouble sleeping at night. I would always get out of bed and get snacks or watch TV or play with one of the cats my family would rescue. You see, my mom was a veterinarian, so she would take in stray cats, nurse them back to health, and then adopt them out. It drove my parents nuts for me to stay up so late. Everything was fine, until one day, when I was about nine or so. I was up late at night, as per usual. When I was playing downstairs, I was playing with a recent rescue animal, who we called Jacob. 
What? Were you expecting Fluffy? For whatever reason, I was drawn to the large glass doors leading to the backyard. I normally would never go outside at night, and the curtains covering them were always shut. This night, however, I felt the urge to go outside. I opened the curtains, almost expecting to see someone or something to be there, staring in, but nothing was there. I started to feel a bit braver, so I opened the door and stepped outside, Jacob in tow. This is when things got bad. See, behind my house is a large field, and past that a forest. None of that was visible. We live in the middle of nowhere, so there were no streetlights, nothing. Only empty space, and for some reason, this empty space was calling to me, somehow. I walked into the abyss. I felt a breeze against my face, which smelt like honeysuckle and sage. Mom's garden. I kept walking, until, out of the darkness, I saw something walk towards me. It was glowing a pale white. My first thought was a ghost of some sort, but this was different, more physical. It had a vague humanoid shape, but where the eyes were, there were only black orbs on this pure white form, almost like it was absorbing the darkness. I wasn't even sure if it was getting closer or bigger. I finally broke out of my trance and ran back inside, slamming the door behind me. I took a breath and then was drawn to look back outside. It was there, right there, staring in. I shut the curtains and ran back, screaming, to my room. My parents woke up and found me in my room. They yelled at me about being up so late and about how my dad has to be up early tomorrow. I, however, was just glad to be alive and safe. Jacob was gone forever, consumed by that thing. When I told my mom the next morning, she said I was probably tired and imagined it, that Jacob ran away when he was let out and that we'd see him again. When we didn't, she tried to tell me that he must have found a new home. I knew she was lying. For a while, that was that. But ever since, I have always made sure that all curtains are closed after sunset and to never, ever go out after dark. I went away to college a year ago, coming back home for vacations. A few nights ago, while home for Christmas break, I decided to go outside late one night for a smoke, momentarily forgetting my childhood experience. The air was freezing cold, but the cigarette momentarily warmed me. It formed the only light in the darkness, and soon it appeared again. I ran back inside, just like before. Since then, I keep having nightmares that I will look out a window to see it. It's black, shadowy eyes. It's all-consuming body. I'm starting to lose the ability to tell my dreams from reality. I just want to know if I really saw that thing. If it's haunting me, or if it marked me in some way. My friends think I'm crazy, but do you think I'm crazy? Yes, humans, they're out there, waiting in the dark, coming to pull you into the darkness with them. And as a child learned, you'll be followed from childhood to adulthood, until we, I mean they, get you. So, as you now go through the house, turning on all the lights, both inside and out, let me move us to the next story. This one involves more children, but children from all over the world. All the children. They have all shared something, something the adults don't know. A little secret that all too soon will be revealed, and sadly for you humans, 
cannot be avoided. Sit back, relax, accept what you don't know. While you listen to The Children Knew. I woke up easy that day. As soon as my mom yelled up from the stairs, I was up, showered, and did my daily morning routine that day. I headed downstairs and into the kitchen, where my two sisters and little brother were eating breakfast. They looked at me with the same emotionless gaze as mine, and I nodded as if answering, although they already knew. They had the dream too. My mom asked us why we were being so quiet, but we just shook our heads. Later, we started driving to school. Our mother commented when the three pale, yellow holes in the sky. They had been there for weeks. They appeared overnight. They could be seen over the entire planet. Everyone had their theories of what they were. Some thought they were a sign from God. Some thought a hole in the ozone layer. They may have been right, but no one knew. But the children knew what it did. It caused the end. As we drove... We saw children and teenagers, all with the same emotionless gaze as us. They all had the dream too. They all knew. I reached school first, as mine was the first stop. I walked from the car and waved to them as they drove off. This would be the last time I would see them. I headed up the path to the yard of the school, waiting to go in. The normally semi-loud schoolyard was dead quiet. It was cold but none of us cared. No one said a word, as none needed to be said. We all knew what each of us were thinking. As a matter of fact, we knew what every child under 17 was thinking that day. That one part of our mind hadn't been corrupted yet, and let us have the dream. We didn't tell anyone. Not our parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, or anyone older than 17. Only we, the children, knew. It was time to go in, and we did just that. We entered, in orderly lines, the first time in, well, ever really. Our teachers stared in amazement as we quietly entered our classrooms and took our seats. We did our work as we were told, although there wasn't really a point to it. It didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered. At 11.45am, every student looked at one another. We all nodded in silent agreement, and despite the protests of our teachers, marched out of school in unison and into the yard. We stood in silence, looking up at the sky. Nothing had changed yet, but soon, some who cared about each other hugged, and those who loved each other, or if someone had a crush on someone, kissed. To my surprise, I was kissed. I didn't know her name, and I don't think I'd even saw her before. She put on a small, sad smile, and held both of my hands. I put on the same smile, and all of us looked up in near unison at the sky. The three yellow holes blazed. A white light erupted from the center, and soon, everything went white. The shrieks of adults could be heard, but not children. The children weren't scared. The children knew. They knew, and they accepted their fate. Imagine knowing what was coming, knowing everything was about to end, and just going through the motions all day, and waiting for that end to come. Imagine being the adult, and the terror of a surprise apocalypse. 
Speaking of terror, let me give you this week's recommendation. This week, it's an obvious choice. It's the movie Halloween Kills. Minutes after Laurie Strode, her daughter Karen, and granddaughter Allison left masked monster Michael Myers caged and burning in Laurie's basement, Laurie is rushed to the hospital with life-threatening injuries, believing she finally killed her lifelong tormentor. But when Michael manages to free himself from Laurie's trap, his ritual bloodbath resumes. As Laurie fights her pain and prepares to defend herself against him, she inspires all of Haddonfield to rise up against their unstoppable monster. But as a group of other survivors of Michael's first rampage decide to take matters into their own hands, a vigilante mob forms that sets out to hunt Michael down. Evil dies tonight. Released just in time for spooky season and can be seen in theaters or for free on the Peacock app. Get yourself ready for the season. This is an amazing and brutal addition to the franchise and has me waiting for what comes next. So please, watch and enjoy Halloween Kills. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Beazel Pub. Welcome fiends to open mic night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts. All the things that scare you the most. Tonight at the pub, we start off with a poem by Herbert Bunk 11 about a shadow that has come to deliver a very special gift to someone that never wanted it. And to finish, a poem that talks about what it's like having a mental illness. Let the shadowy rhymes pull you under while you listen to Shadow Man and The Root of Psychosis. When it's been years since man's race was undone, I start to fear I shall die alone. I turn and I think I hear a moan, and see it's only silence's drone, like fuzzy white noise or dial tone. My first thought is, I'll die alone. Sitting in a single chair room, with a pile of dust by a dormant broom, a squeak from the wall could amass their loom, some company when I face my doom. Now silence again, I stare back straight, turn the dial on my oxygen tank. I rub my head, my hairless dome. Why God? Why am I dying alone? A peripheral shadow is vaguely shown. It is not mine, so I can't be alone. Was this perhaps, who let out the moan? Detached from the wall, the shadow comes near. I lean in close, and speak in its ear. Angel or demon, you I shan't fear. Should you slay me, or save me, do stay with me here. It opens its mouth, unleashing a stench. So rotten and vile, it makes my teeth clench. Letting out a familiar moan. Why do you think you're dying alone? I have since left unatoned. Many men have I done wrong. All are dead now, and soon I will go. I wish to join them, but not as a foe. The pain of entire lives of ten. Upon every single wrong done man. Why have you done these things, poor fool? I sought to earn youth from the youth I stole. Taking lives to extend my own. And for this sin I must atone. 
With all my research, no reward is shown, but karmic punishment of death alone. At this, the Shadow Man casts a grin. I too am guilty of this same sin. My face goes white. My heart nearly stops beating. Spectre or man, what is your meaning? I know no good, nor evil, only spite. For I am a shadow of the night. Not spectre, nor man, nor angel, nor demon. And don't blame yourself. Man died in his season. You craved immortality. Your crave needs appeasing. I give you this gift. The gift that you're needing. I shake my head. I am no longer that selfish heathen. The shadow man grinned, chuckled, and hissed. You've earned this gift, I must insist. He grasped my throat and gave it a twist. This broke the cord along my back. I could move nothing below my neck. Whereon there was ink from this one-sided strife, and I felt the burden of eternal life. I closed my eyes and began to weep. With eternal life, I crave endless sleep. The shadow man breathed out a motherly sigh and gazed at me with his dark, hollow eyes. Oh, young man, there's no need to cry, for I'll make sure you never, ever die. What erratic spasm do we hide in the inner labyrinths of our veins, in that darkened blood of mysteries that intertwine and engulf forever? Tendrils that kiss you like a lover, wrap you in a grimace of ecstasy. It tilts your head in weird dimensions to feel worlds within worlds below, whose sharp angles perplex us, whose eyes stare brightly in midnight, that heart of hearts lying deep below staring in the trills of our inner ear. It whispers in such familiar tones, it palpitates as the beat of your heart. One cannot contrast you from this other, this uncanny, destroyed reflection, that primordial essence whom we have, whom we sedate with simple sleep, clouding, obscuring with little jokes, that monster hiding deep below. Uncanny spaces and alien places are its abode, to which it hides. Eldritch, demonic, yet worse of all, it is human to the very core. It is you, and you are it. You hide it in all your actions. You give such subliminal hints in your twitching muscles and fits. It is not your killers and deceivers, just an analog, an extension. No, no, my dear, sweet dear. It comes from below. The counterpart of God. The Void. The least of least, our vacuum in the far reaches, darkness and places without senses. This is why our brain always needs perception, for without dreams and little sparks of twilight, the monster will consume our little lives. Psychosis is but a stage of return to that darkness which we came, till nothing is left and all is gone, and we again begin anew. That poem shows that everyone can have a psychosis, and you might not even know it. And the poor man wanted nothing more than to finally rest. But the shadow man had other ideas. 
a nail he has to endure day after day. Enjoy your sentence of eternity, human. But now, let's leave the shadows behind, get out of the pampa, and move into the last feature of the night. Once again, this is Halloween Horror. For our next Halloween-themed feature is a story by the spooky motherfucker, Ghost Train, which, you know, is me. This story is a sequel to a bright and happy story written around last Halloween that looked at the myth of tainted candy. This story is a look at what happens when the cops finally catch up to our murderer. Will his child-sized terror finally see the end and pay for his crimes? Will he get away? Settle in, avoid any candy, and enjoy my story, The Candy Myth 2. Detective. Look, there's nothing you can do now. You're here. We're gonna find your home. We're gonna find the evidence. And then you're gonna get a needle in your fucking arm. Why don't you just help us, and we can get the death penalty taken off the table? Not that a child killer deserves such mercy. Child. But officer, I don't know what you want from me. I don't remember where I live. Daddy has been trying to get me to remember the address, but I keep forgetting. We only moved here two or three months ago. I'm sure if Daddy knew where I was, he would tell you where we live. If you let me call his phone, he'll come. Detective. Stop it! That's enough! I don't have time for this bullshit. We get alarms going off all over the city, and we don't have enough people for me to be wasting my time with your games. We know you're not a little boy. We know you've been all over Philly, going to different neighborhoods, somehow giving kids tainted candy. We've been looking for the person behind it for ten fucking years. Tell us. Confess. You're killing children. Child. But officer, I didn't do nothing. I wouldn't hurt anybody. Detective. We watched you put a piece of candy into a bowl. You mean to tell me a kid is going to do that? No. A kid would have put that candy in his own bag. Child. But I told you, somebody dropped the candy and my daddy taught me not to take stuffs. So I wanted to put it back. That's all. Detective. Knock off the fucking act. You're not a kid. If you are, you're the ugliest kid I've ever seen. Child. That's not a very nice thing to say. My daddy won't like you saying mean things to me. Detective. I don't give a shit what your daddy wouldn't like. Power goes out. Child. Oh, I think you better reconsider that. You see, my daddy has been on his way here since you put me in your car. He's also made sure to call some uncles to set off those alarms you're talking about. Don't get me wrong, he wouldn't mind going through a full building of you pigs to get me out of here. But the night is young, and there's a lot more trick-or-treating to be done. Detective. I fucking knew it. You're not a kid. You're just some psycho who kills kids with candy. And no, I'm not going to buy into your daddy bullshit. No one is coming for you, and you're not going to lie or scare your way out of this. Child. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I was just stalling. 
It's awfully quiet out there, isn't it? No talking, no one dropping anything in the dark, not even a cough. But yeah, I'm sure it's nothing, detective. The door is kicked open, and the detective turns around to find a giant of a man grabbing him by the throat, covered in the blood of his fellow cops. Daddy. There you are. I've been worried sick about you. Did this bad man hurt you? Child. He sure did. Make it quick, Adam. We gotta get the security hard drive, find my bags, and then get back out there. Adam repeatedly stabs the detective in the stomach, the blood pouring from the wounds, as the child stands back laughing. Finally, the detective stops breathing, and Adam drops him into a crumpled heap on the floor. They find the recordings and the bags of tainted candy and leave the precinct, stepping over dead cops as they do. Child. Well, Daddy, you sure did get a lot of them. And look, their blood makes your costume look even scarier. Adam. You're right, little buddy, but let's get you some more candy and get your special treats delivered. Child. Best Halloween ever. It should come as no surprise that the child would have people looking out for him. He may have come up with how to taint the candy and deliver it, but he's going to need someone to watch his back. So, just when the cops thought they finally caught the monster, the monster had a friend. I guess we'll have to see if he returns next Halloween to drop some candy into your bag. But now, I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time. <laughs> Stay spooky.